Hello and welcome. It is your money. I'm Susie Jones and I want to start out by reminding you as you listen for the next hour, if you have any financial question for today's speakers, you can call this number 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That number one eight 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 six advice And if you're listening and you have a thought or a comment or a question you want to save for later, you can always email that question to your money at wealthenhancement.com. And for the next 50 minutes. You can call this number 651-461-9226 and we'll get to your question right here on the air. Now here is Senior Vice President, Financial Advisor Peg Webb and Founder of Wealth Enhancement Group and Financial Advisor Bruce Helmer. Welcome to both of you two. Hope you're well. Hello, Susie. Hello, Bruce. Hi, Peg. Hi, Susie. Uh, Ladies, as always, good to be with you. And yes, I'm well and you both sound well. Um, Peg, today, and Susie, there's been a lot of talk lately uh, because of the results in the market last year. Within within the world of finance, there's sort of a, a go-to portfolio. I think sometimes, Peg, it's even called a bellwether portfolio. And, and it's going to look very similar no matter who your financial professional is. And it's kind of a classic 60-40 portfolio, meaning – of the underlying investments are exposed to the stock market, and 40% is exposed to things that are not stocks, primarily bonds or fixed interest investments. Now, what makes up that 40% of bonds and what makes up that 60% of stocks can vary quite a bit, but the classic sort of 60-40 portfolio that was a go-to for a lot of advisors for a lot of years is suddenly being called into question whether that still makes sense anymore because last year in 2022, something happened that's not supposed to happen. Stocks and bonds both regressed in in the same year, and the 60-40 portfolio got beat up pretty good. So, Peg, today we're going to talk to listeners about proper asset allocation, proper diversification. We're going to talk a little bit about proactive management and reacting to things. And we're going to hopefully make some sense out of all this, why it makes sense to diversify and have proper asset allocation, um, and, and, you know, why 2022, that just that one year, that aberration doesn't cause everybody to change everything. Subtle changes, little tweaks, maybe, but wholesale, wholesale changes or changing of uh, philosophies that we've had for years, um, I think we're going to uh, stick to those because I think history will show that it does make sense. So a lot of stuff to get into today. You want to you want to kind of lead us through this discussion? Yeah, Bruce, a couple of weeks ago, um, you had a vacation day and we talked about mitigating investment risk and managing cash. And some listeners today might think, what in the world are they repeating that show? Because I talked a lot about the 60-40 portfolio, but this is actually taking a deeper dive into what we call effective diversification. Now, um, we have, for eh, two and a half decades for me, we've talked about diversification is key. And so, Bruce, when you mention 60% growth or stocks and 40% bonds, I would just say that this is actually more of a sophisticated asset allocation that Wealth Enhancement Group uh, follows. Because if you're doing kind of the traditional 60-40, as we talk about, you're missing out. 
And what does that really mean? So when it comes to Wealth Enhancement Group, we believe that there's no real high return, low risk, and liquid investment out there. As much as we want an investment that offers high returns, never drops in value, and actually could be converted to cash any day, that investment really doesn't exist. So that is wait a minute. A wait a minute. You're telling me. You're telling me if I want to come to you for a 12% return with no risk and I can get my money whenever I want, you don't have that for me. I'm sorry, Bruce. I don't have that. I don't. It, it, it's, it's, yeah. It's, I know you're teasing, and I wish I did. And some of us look back at even like the early 80s, because now the early 80s are being mentioned in the news a lot because of the inflation. And you and I actually were working in the business when we had 18 percent, you know, interest rates. And I remember at the time I was offering a client a double digit municipal bond, 20 percent, and they wanted to wait for 22 so even when we get that high, and I don't believe we're going there, but even if we get that high, clients always say, well, isn't it going to go a little higher? Maybe we should wait. <laughs> but as, a, as another basis for a start, just that general asset allocation, why is it important? Um, diversification is key as far as wealth enhancement groups concerned, but the basic idea of asset allocation is just, you heard this before, just don't put all your eggs in one basket, right? Just spread your eggs around and the odds of the basket tipping over and breaking all your eggs is slimmer because you have your eggs in different parts of the market. So if you kind of look at trends or history um, and you have a percentage in growth and you have a percentage in fixed income, over time, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, it tends to work out, you know, historically. I don't know anything about the future, uh, but, you, but what I find, Bruce, is if people are diversified, and then we'll get into this effect of diversification, if people are diversified, they're less likely to make a big change based on headlines or current news. You know, they just have more of a, uh, confidence that, you know, long-term it's going to work out. So the typical asset allocation, and then I'll hand it back to you, Bruce, is just the typical is stocks, bonds, real estate, alternatives, and cash. That's kind of the general categories. But once again, many of you listening only invest in stocks and bonds. There's just a high percentage of people that do that. But the harder choice, and this is what I tell my clients and prospective clients, is what percentage of what do you buy? There's where the bigger challenge comes in. I mean, we all may know about those categories of classes of investing, but how much and what percentage do you buy of each? Then we get into effective diversification. And Bruce, if you want to just kind of lead us in what that is. Well, by effective diversification, we not only diversify by asset class peg, as you know, you know, stocks, bonds, uh, real estate alternatives, which might include uh, precious metals like gold and silver. It might include commodities like oil. So diversification by asset class, I think all our listeners understand. But we also diversify 
by from a tax standpoint, we want tax diversification. We also diversify um, to try to mitigate certain types of risk. Um, the example I always use, um, there, there's, there's several of these different risks that we try to minimize or, or, or eliminate. But the one that, that I always talk about when I, when I do public speaking is company risk. So if somebody says, I'm going to diversify and I'm going to own stocks and I'm going to own bonds, and those two asset classes usually have a converse relationship to one another. If stocks do well, then bonds don't. Or if bonds do well, then stocks don't. Most of the time, 2022 notwithstanding. So, so they diversify by asset class. But if they hold those stocks and bonds in the same company and that company goes belly up, they're taking the same amount of risk. So at Wealth Enhancement, when we diversify, we even diversify from the standpoint that we're going to go to great lengths to not own stocks and bonds in the same company. That's what we call company risk. So sometimes clients see the rate of return, good or bad, you know, whatever it was that year in 2022, it was not good. 2021, it was really good. They see the rate of return, but they don't understand all the things going on internally that we're doing to mitigate risk. So the same return that we get, which might be the same as another portfolio they have elsewhere, but if we got that return with less risk, and if we're and if we're uh, eliminating company risk, then we did get, have less risk. Then there's still a win there that if we can get uh, comparable returns and not have to take as much risk to get there, that's a, that's an advantage to us. So diversification doesn't just mean asset class. That's the thing most people think of and most people understand, but we're also going to diversify by risk and we're going to diversify. We're going to, we, ideally, we have some money taxable, some money tax deferred, and some money tax advantaged. Okay? I have an example of this company risk that I always used at my workshops um, when I presented. And do you remember there was this oil company that had an oil spill? And on the TV, every single minute, as far as I remember, had the little duck that had oil all over it. Uh, you know, and it was yeah. swimming and it was full of oil. And so everybody saw how awful that was. Well, how awful that was is that some of my clients brought that stock over. We don't necessarily sell stocks. When a client comes to interview us and they have something they love or they got it from their great, great, great grandfather or something and they want to hold it for the dividends, yeah, I'm okay. But give them the warning of better diversify. You have a lot of this oil stock. Well, they were paying north of 8% dividend at the time. And actually, that company shut off the dividend completely. And, and seriously, people were living off that dividend. And that was a shock. Um, you know, nationally. So that's what we mean by company risk. Like don't put too much in one company because you truly don't know what's going to happen next. The, the next one, Bruce, we talk about a lot now is this interest rate risk. And I think listeners are starting to realize that interest rate risk, it trickles in a lot of parts of your different portfolio because I talked about stocks, bonds, real estate, even cash, four out of the five things I talked about as far as asset allocation is affected 
by interest rates. And right now, since we still have a surge in job growth, we have lots of consumer spending, we've got inflation, this particular risk is truly hitting us right now. So having a a diversified portfolio that you know that if interest rates go up, it's not going to be good for the portfolio, um, that might warrant some some changes. Bruce? Yeah, uh, and again, interest uh, rates are always a double-edged sword, right? If you're a, if you're a saver, and I know, Peg, you, like me, have a certain amount of money in cash, getting those statements now and seeing that we're actually making interest on our savings after years of making almost nothing is kind of nice, but for borrowers, you know, someone taking out a mortgage or borrowing uh, for a small business loan or whatever, those rates seem high right now and they seem onerous. So again, tough if you're a borrower, but very welcomed if you're a saver. And some people are both, right? They're borrowers and savers. So, um, the, the, but the, the interest rate risk is real. We're really seeing it now that high inflation is back again. And, and it, it's certainly something that we have to take into account in, the, in managing a diversified portfolio. Hey, Peg, I know there's a couple more bullets here in this category, and, and you'll do a great job. But I wanted to go back before we go forward, and I don't think this is even in the outline. But when, when we talk about diversification, when we talk about proper asset allocation, I think it's important to point out to listeners, I think to you and I this is obvious, but I think it's important to point out that at Wealth Enhancement, we don't, I think a lot of investors, if you ask them, what's your goal? They're going to say, I want to get the best rate of return I can. Or even a lot of people in our industry, if you say, what's your goal for your client? To get the best rate of return I can. And I will tell everybody listening, that's not my goal as your advisor. And you might go, what? You don't want to get me the best rate of return you can? I want to get the rate of return that my client wants or needs to, to meet their goals and objectives, whatever that is. Retire by a certain age with a certain lifestyle, leave a legacy for kids or not, uh, not run out of money before they die. What, whatever their goals and objectives are, we can figure out what the average rate of return per year is that we need. And then I want to try to create investment portfolios that we think we can achieve that rate of return, but get it with the least amount of risk possible. We're always trying to reduce risk if we can, but hit the bogey or hit the benchmark that they want to to achieve financial success. It's not about just getting the highest rate of return. Now, having said that, I have clients that have enough money that they don't need any return and they'll never spend all the money they've got. That doesn't mean They should put it all, bury it in their backyard or put it in their home safe or leave it all in the bank. They might still invest because they might say, it's not prudent of me not to get a better return on this money if I can and leave a bigger legacy for loved ones or leave more to charity. So I still want to invest or I still want to at least keep pace with inflation. So I'm not going to put all this money into cash. But I think it's important that listeners recognize uh, that. I think that's that's a big one. And I might have kind of segued into one for you there um, in terms of purchasing power. Yes, purchasing power risk is a huge item right now. And basically, it's just what can you buy with a certain amount of money that you have today versus on a different day or a different year? We're all 
experiencing that right now. Um, and the example that I can use is because we talk about it often uh, is eggs, right? Eggs for a dozen are about $6. And that's just insane. So when you think about what can you purchase with the dollars that you have? Now, Bruce, you mentioned we're super excited because on our cash, we can get savings. We can get savings rates that we are that we haven't seen since 2007 uh, in, a, in a CD or a treasury or something like that if it's short term on the short uh, end of the curve. Well, if inflation is still seven and you're earning five, let's say, percent, you're still actually negative. But I don't care, Bruce. It feels good right now to be able to get some <laughs> money on our cash. And um, they will continue to work, they meaning the Fed and the Treasury, and um, and they will continue to work on trying to bring that down. It's, it's, it's a puzzle, right, because we haven't been in this situation for quite some time. So one of the tools that they've been using is raising interest rates to to try to get us to stop spending as much, and actually they're trying to um, they're trying to have unemployment get higher, uh, which you know we haven't been in that situation in in a long time. So one of the things that's happening today is you know the employees of all companies know that there isn't a lot of workers out there that can replace them in their job. And so if indeed they wanted to leave the job, it doesn't take very long, Bruce, before they can get another job because there's still jobs available. So what I just described is a puzzle and they're working um, towards getting that all solved. And the reason I bring that up is because it has purchasing power that 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 risk as a money manager, you need to be aware of how all your assets change based on interest rates rising and how can you create income, you know, that's going to sustain, you know, your your distributions for the rest of your life. So Wealth Enhancement Group works on it all the time. It's not like all of a sudden, Bruce, we have a different part of our job that we didn't have before. No, we do distribution planning um, as one of our main core advantages of people hiring us. So we're very familiar with, you know, things going up, things going down, where to take money from for um, clients to live on, even in these kinds of cycles that we're going through. Bruce? Um, yeah, we've got, I think, a couple minutes before we need to take a break, Peg. One of the things that uh, we were going to try to get to today, so everything we've talked about so far, we've probably talked about on previous shows, but somebody that still just heard everything we said and said, I, you know, I'm still not satisfied with that. What happened in 2022 could happen again. Is there any action that I could take that could ease the pain of 2022 if there's a 2022 out there in our future? you want to jump into some of these more complex things that we do sometimes for some clients, or do you think we should uh, table that until after the break? Yeah, I, I think we're going to need some time, but what, what I can start it by saying there are tactical moves kind of based on the valuations and predictions of what we see. Uh, I don't call it market timing, Bruce, but it's kind of trend changing. 
are tactical moves. And Wealth Enhancement Group has been very active in the last year because there's so many different asset classes that are working well and so many that are not working well. And do we take 100% of one, um, as an example, do we take 100% of an asset class, sell it all and move to a different one? No, that's too big of a risk. And we'll talk more about that, Bruce, on the backside of the break. Okay, sounds good. And, and uh, also, listeners and Susie, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up this discussion on, on effective diversification, effective asset allocation. I've got another example or two about why it's important. And we'll tap into maybe some of these um, tactical moves that we can make if you're still nervous. Uh, and, and then let's get listeners involved with their text and their call-in questions if they feel so inclined. Susie? That sounds great. The number to call, 651-461-9226. Again, that number is 651 651- Four six one nine two two six. You are listening to Your Money with our host, Peg Webb, and the founder of Wealth Enhancement, Bruce Helmer. We have time for your calls and texts. And remember, if you are listening and you can't get to it today, you can call anytime, 888-6-ADVICE. We're back after this. It is your money. Welcome back. I'm Susie Jones, Bruce Helmer, Peg Webb. We're talking about your money and about how best to invest it. 651-461-9226. That's the number to call or text if you have a question. Bruce and Peg, we do have a caller. Shall we take Bob right away out of the gates? Yeah, let's not make him hold. we got other things we can talk about, but let's take Bob's question first. All right, go ahead, Bob. You're on the air with Bruce and Peg. Uh, good morning, and thanks for taking my call. Um, my, my wife and I have a low-interest mortgage. It's 3.25%, um, we're, and we're both retired. Uh, been debating on whether it makes sense to simply pay off that mortgage. That would put us in a situation where we could still continue our retirement comfortably, uh, or should does it make sense to uh, just keep making the monthly payments? We've got about 15 years left on the mortgage. so That's a good question. That's my question. Yeah. That's a, that's a great question, Bob. Uh, thank you for listening, and thank you for calling in. Peg, Bob's got a mortgage uh, at three and a quarter percent. And by the way, Bob, I'm glad you called. I, I've, I've had a bunch of clients recently, Peg, that are really against retiring without having the mortgage paid off. They, they want to have the mortgage paid off before they retire. And that's an admirable goal. And if you can do that, that's great. But I don't think you have to have the mortgage paid off to be able to retire. Like Bob said, they can afford that mortgage payment. You just have to realize that it's part of your cost of living at retirement. Whatever makes up all your expenses, some of it might be a mortgage or might not be a mortgage, but you just have to be aware of that cost. But I'll let you go first. Bob's got a three and a quarter percent mortgage. He's wondering if he should pay it off. Uh, Fifteen years left. Should he pay it off early? Yeah, you're talking to a uh, an advisor right now that loves debt free personally. Does that mean that, <laughs> that does, does that mean that all clients need to be debt free? Absolutely not. It was kind of an easier answer, Bruce. For 13 years, we were making zero on our cash, right? Money that we have to pay off mortgages. And so um, 
it was easier to say to people, okay, well, you're getting zero on this cash you have in the bank. Uh, you could you have a couple choices. You could invest it and hope that you make more than that three and a quarter long term, or you can pay that down. And I would agree with you, Bruce. It is such an emotional uh, decision because a lot of people have that in their head that when they retire, they want to be debt free. I think that's just the uh, generation that we're, um, we're more conservative that way. Well, now, um, at least now, we can get, you know, money markets are at, you know, four, four and a half percent. The short end of the treasuries hit five percent. You know, so what I would suggest if you were my client right now is, you know, invest that money in uh, a safe, safe something. And then you can always pay the mortgage off, Right. So you can, if you make 5% and you're giving away three and a quarter, lots of, lots of people aren't able to write off a mortgage anymore, Bruce, because the standard deduction is so high. So now it is a pure three and a quarter that it's costing you. But since you can go find interest rates that are higher than that, not for the long, long term, but at least for the short term, I'd probably just do that and then wait, Bruce. Yeah, and you and I, and uh, for years on the show, we don't disagree. That, that disagree would be too strong of a word, but you are definitely more on the side of being debt free than than I am. To me, Peg, um, and, and again, I, I think we're close to saying the same thing. It's lost opportunity cost. In other words, um, Bob's paying interest at three and a quarter percent. So I always tell, when I look at efficient debt versus inefficient debt, what's the cost of the debt service? And then what are you making on your money that you would use to pay off that debt if you were going to do so? And that's to your point, when you, when money in the bank is earning zero, that's an easy decision. If I have enough cash in the bank earning zero, why would I pay that, pay a bank three and a quarter if they're paying me zero? I would take that, that savings account or that, that cash and pay off the debt. But today, you're right, I might be able to get more than three and a quarter on that money without taking investment risk. So what we didn't find out from Bob is, you know, what he has for assets, and what is the rate of return on those assets that he would use to pay off that debt. Um, And the other thing is, let's say he had enough cash to do it, but it would totally deplete his cash, and then he wouldn't have any. I probably still wouldn't totally pay off the mortgage. I might pay a big chunk or reduce the 15 years to three years or something like that. But I get a little bit nervous if he depleted all of his safe cash, his rainy day or emergency money. And then then people might come back and say, well, but I've got an equity portfolio that lost 10% last year, whatever it did. Why would I, why would I keep doing that? And, and paying debt at three and a quarter. And that's where the emotional component comes in because I can tell someone, look, this portfolio over time will have a higher average return on investment probably than three and a quarter. But when it doesn't, when you have a 2022 and it doesn't beat the cost of your mortgage, and in fact, it loses money, how do you feel emotionally when you get that investment statement and you see that your account balance shrunk 
and you get it the same day you get your mortgage statement and you're paying that three and a quarter percent interest, does that cause you to rest or sleepless nights? And those are the people that should pay off debt for sure if they can. I carry debt that I could pay off. I choose not to pay it off because I think if the debt is what I call cheap money, I don't want to take resources from somewhere else where I I can earn a higher rate of return. So, Bob, to a large degree, it comes down to your comfort level and where where are the other assets that you would use to pay off the mortgage and what kind of rate of return can you get on that money? There really isn't an exact right or wrong answer to this, or or there kind of is, but I guess there's a couple things that Peg and I don't know for sure to advise you further, but those are the things to take into consideration. Where where the other money come from that I would use to pay off the mortgage? And if it was stocks, that would really, again, not only because I think over a long period of time, that'll earn a higher return on investment than the cost of the mortgage, but also everybody understands buy low and sell high. And if you use stocks right now, we're coming off a really bad year where stocks, I, I, I won't say the market's at the bottom, but I know it's a lot lower than what it was 14 months ago. And they're probably going to go back to that price higher at some point in time. I just don't know when. So I don't think now is a good time to use stocks. But if you have enough cash and you'd still have cash left after paying off the mortgage, I think it would certainly feel good, like Peg said, be retired and not have a mortgage anymore. Peg, you want to add now? Nope, that's it. Thank you. All right, 651-461-9226. That is the number you can call right now to get your question answered by Bruce and Peg. Anything about your investments that you have questions about, maybe you're concerned about, 651-461-9226. A texture writes... Great show, guys. Does Wealth Enhancement have an in-house money market that pays 5%? Question mark. Your thoughts? Um, first of all, thanks for the compliment. Peg, I, our in-house money market, I think, is pretty competitive, but I don't think it's 5%, is it? No. Uh, the Well, uh, we have so many of them. Um, we have taxable money markets. We have municipal or tax-free money markets on a federal level. Uh, this week, uh, it, the money markets are four and a half percent, you know, through the big custodians that custodian all the assets at. Yeah, I think four and a half is the highest that I have seen also. Hey, before we go back, Peg, to, to callers and texters, a couple things uh, that we didn't get to first half of the show that I know you wanted to. Um, so, listeners, if you joined us late, um, we've been talking about effective diversification, effective asset allocation, and how to, how to try to minimize portfolio risk. Because 2022 was such a painful year for investors. And Peg, um, I actually had a client last week uh, in a review meeting, and I said, what do you want to talk about? And we said, well, probably what you're talking about with all of your clients, you know, the, the, how, how much our, how, how badly our portfolio did last year. And I stopped them. I said, actually, I have very few clients that are worried. I've, I've not gotten very many phone calls. And the few that I have gotten, most of those people are, are relatively new clients. My clients that have been with me for three years, five years, ten years and longer are not nervous because they've seen so many good years that even with the one bad year, 
their average return on investment per year is still higher than what we would have projected if we did any kind of future value forecasting uh, five and 10, seven, four years ago. So I don't have a lot of nervous clients, but, I, but I've got some and I recognize that, especially if you're new, I just hired this firm and now the first year out of, out of the gate, they lost money for me. I, I could see a little bit of nervousness um, in, in that situation. But we talked about uh, effective diversification and one of the other reasons that this is so important, and this is what I've been talking to a lot of clients about, in the first half of the show, I said our goal is to get the rate of return you need to be successful. Our goal is to get a high enough return so you're not losing purchasing power. Some people might say, just put it all in the bank where there's no risk of principal. But then even though interest rates are higher, your rate of return is not keeping pace with inflation. And as the cost of living increases, your rate of return might be so low that you blow through all your money before you die. And then what do you do? So we have to have enough return so our money doesn't run out and it might require some risk of principal to get that rate of return. But when we do this, it's really important. And Wealth Enhancement has always had the philosophy. We want to try to mitigate to the extent we can. We're probably not going to have real high highs, but we also want to try to eliminate the really low lows. And the reason we want to eliminate the really low lows is because over a long period of time, that's the really, really the thing that puts a torpedo in your investment boat when you have that really, really bad year because they're hard to recover from. The example that I've been giving the clients recently that, uh, again, that, that my handful that have been nervous is, look, if you, if you have a year where you lost 20%, and fortunately that hasn't happened since 2008, but if you have a year where you lost 20%, and then I said, what do you need the next year to get back to even? I think people instinctively would say, well, 20%. But you don't. Let's say you had $100,000 and you lost 20%. That Now you're down to $80,000. If you now have a positive 20 on that 80, that's 16000 So you only go back up to 96. You're still $4,000 underwater. You'd have to get a 25% rate of return on your 80000 in the second year to make up for the 20% loss in the first year. So we don't want any negative 20s. If we could somehow cut that in half and you had a negative 10, now to get back to even, you only need a little bit over 11% to get back to even instead of 25. So there's a lot of reasons that we believe in this broad diversification, this effective asset allocation, this proactive management, making changes and tweaks to the portfolio, based on things that we think we see going on in the global economy. And there, we were going to get to a couple tactical examples for people that, that, um, that you've used, Peg. Yeah, thank you, Bruce. I, um, I, I, I can, I can uh, go back to the, the uh, texter about the money market rate. Did we have one at 5%? And then we talked about uh, money markets being at 4.5%, but yet – uh, treasury bonds for one year actually hit 5% back on February 17th. And so um, one of the things that, believe it or not, like a tactical move that our investment team has recently made was, so there's a 30-year yield curve on treasuries. And I mentioned 5% for a one year. But if you go out 30 years, 10 years, 
20 years, 30 years, you're not going to get 5%. It's actually less than that. And it's, and it's about a percent or more less on that long end. Well, what does that mean? How do I get short-term rates at five, but I don't get long-term rates at five? Well, that's an indication historically that interest rates will eventually go down. Um, and so one of the tactical moves that our um, investment team has made in some portfolios is they're buying some of those treasuries on the long end, trying to lock in some of these higher rates today. So I thought that was a good example, Bruce, of, you know, manager skill risk, meaning, you know, somebody overseeing the portfolio. They're the ones that are able to watch the trends, see what's happening, kind of a deeper dive, if you will, uh, greater than I can. Because I'm actually helping clients, you know, day to day managing their, um, you know, distributions of planning and their estate plan. And I'm going over their tax returns right now. But to have, you know, Jim Kahn, who's our chief investment officer, oversee that department and then um, the investment committee come up with tactical moves, that's that's actually a positive for me, which is also a positive for our clients. So that's uh, an example, Bruce. And really quickly, I, I, I wanted to just mention this. So for certain clients, um, we can go to more um, sophisticated strategies than what we've talked about so far. So as an example, listeners have probably heard of something called hedge funds before, but very few listeners listening right now have ever invested in a hedge fund. And even hearing the name hedge fund, it might conjure up a negative um, mental perception because there was a big um, hedge fund scandal some years ago. But hedge funds, all, all that means is, I, the way I explain it to people, and this is over probably an oversimplification, you can make money in a down market if you bet or predict that the market will go down. That's hedging. And we can do some of these things, but the, now listeners might be listening or we might have clients listening right now. Why didn't you show that to me? Number one, I don't think most people should do that. I think the, the traditional asset allocation, proactive management, efficient money management, diversification, I think that's going to work for the vast majority of people. But number two, to qualify for some of these more sophisticated things, the investor needs to meet certain criteria. They have to be what's called an accredited investor. And again, this doesn't apply to most of our listeners, most of our clients, because you have to meet a certain net worth and have a certain amount of investable income. And it's a very small percentage of the population. So we don't talk about these things a lot, but to someone out there going, you know, what could I do different to save myself from another 2022? If you're the right type of investor, sophisticated enough with enough money, there might be some things, but, but again, that's a very small percentage of, of, of what we do. You want to tie a bow on this thing? Any last thoughts before we finish up with texts or calls? Well, I also wanted to mention um, one of the reasons that, that uh, clients can't or listeners can't afford maybe to be in a hedge fund is it's illiquid, meaning you can't just call right. up one day and say, hey, I'd like to get my money back. So I wanted to add that in there, too. Uh, Right now, I think my message, Bruce, is right now, asset allocation and effective diversification is more important than ever. Um, our, as I mentioned earlier on the show, 
our investment team is more active now than they've been, you know, when the markets were so good and, and, and actually you, you, we all basically won, right? So now are the times when you're trying to make these tactical moves. And so if indeed you're listening and, and you'd like um, an, a second opinion on what you're doing and, and the pros of cons of, of what you've got going on, are you actually effectively diversified? Uh, you can contact us. You know, go to our website, wealthenhancement.com. It says, meet with us. If you want to meet with us, um, that's an easy way to do that. Or um, you can call our number, 1-800-492-1222. Bruce? Yeah, a lot has stayed the same. Um, Effective asset allocation, effective diversification. But we have more things in our investment toolkit than we ever had before. And so some things are new, some things are different, and some of these things might be applicable to you. So yeah, if you have, if you have an interest or you're, you're not happy self-managing or you're not happy with who's ever managing things now, it never hurts to get a, a second opinion. Um, Susie, do we have time for a call or a text? Yeah, let's do a call because uh, John's been waiting a little bit. And just remind John and remind Peg and Bruce, we have two minutes. So John, go ahead with your question. If you can make it quick, that'd be great. John? Nope. Okay. Well, I'll throw this one at you. If you had, this is from a texter, if you had $10,000 to invest for a new grandchild, where would you put it? And you have a minute to do it, so maybe give a broad, I don't know. Go ahead. Peg? I would actually, I would probably at this point diversify in both stocks and bonds. Um, I like treasury inflation protection bonds for uh, young people like that. Bruce? They might be thinking college. Would you like uh, 529 maybe? Yeah, that's not Oh, yeah. 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 Um, And let's squeeze one more in. My advisor talks a lot about using life insurance as a retirement tool. What do you guys think? And we have about uh, 30 seconds. Bruce? Oh, really quickly. It can be an effective uh, investment strategy as well as protection for if, if you die, but that's going to be applicable to younger people. The older you get, the more expensive that becomes, and it takes a long time of funding it to make that work. So it may be applicable for some people, but probably younger, healthier, where the insurance costs are lower. Well, and I know we're about out of time. We are out of time, and there are a couple of more text questions that we did not get answered. So for those of you listening right now, as Peg mentioned, your money at wealthenhancement.com. You can email also this number, one eight 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 six advice Make it a great day, guys.